Okay, hi everybody. The name of the podcast is On Purpose. I almost Did got you that pause? wrong. <laughs> you paused. Yes, I paused. It's been a little while it since has. we've been in here. A yeah. lot's happened I in our know. lives, right? Right. Yes. Totally. No. Um, anyway, the podcast is called On Purpose. Thank you, Heidi. Yeah. That was perfect. Thank you for not pausing. <laughs> Maybe I should start the intro. I suddenly think you should. Maybe you're exhausted by introducing I'm us. Wiped out. <laughs> or by other things, like you know, promoting a book. <laughs> and I think talks it's really, all over. I think it's emceeing the podcast. It's really got me worn out. <laughs> okay. Well, so if you need me to take over the intros, I'd be happy to. All right. We might try that a few times. Here we are. The podcast is on purpose. I'm Heidi Stevens, a Chicago Tribune columnist. With me today is family therapist extraordinaire and soon to be New York Times bestselling author. Are you a New York Times bestselling author yet? Not just yet, Heidi, but okay. it's on its way. All right. You're, I mean, you're super high up on Amazon, right? It's doing pretty well, yeah. Oh, there you I told Julie I'm going to announce on the hour my Amazon status in like a loud British accent. Uh-huh. <laughs> so she said she's going to stay with her parents. <laughs> Julie, if you need a couch, um, mine is cushy and free. <laughs> and then the despair happens when it drops below a certain number. Right. So that also is then a Then you deal. change to a different accent. Exactly. Like <laughs> now I'm Australian. No, I, don't know. I don't know what that means. Right. Um, we are going to do a little bit of a truncated episode today because I have to go in 20 minutes. Yep, we got to crank it minutes, out. Um, and then I have to go be on a panel. Um, but we can cover some stuff. We can 20, cover a right? lot of stuff in 20. Yeah. And yeah. maybe people will be relieved. Like, oh, phew. Thank know. God. Enough conjecture. <laughs> right? <laughs> they never come to any conclusions anyway. You might as well wrap it up a little quicker. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, I think we want to talk about switching to... Obviously, a much more serious note. Um, I think we want to talk a little bit about a column that I wrote about earlier this week and and quoted you in and quoted Michelle Eichert in yeah. um, <clears throat> about the boy in Tennessee, right? Channing Smith, who committed suicide, died yep. by suicide. I still have to watch myself on that language. Died by it, suicide. It, it, it's hard to keep that in mind, but it does feel right. To say died by? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I heard from some parents when I wrote about, um, your brother, when we talked about that a few weeks ago, the caption in the column said committed suicide. And I heard from several parents who had lost children to suicide who said, don't use that language, which is enough to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, right. If it works for the families, and and, and, I, I I totally agree. Um, It also having having a brother who died by suicide. There's something that feels more um, comforting, but also correct about it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Because I think there's a fog that kind of takes you over, and um, you know, I don't think this is something somebody goes out to do because they feel great about themselves and life is going swimmingly. You know, it's because you feel like this is the only right thing to do for the people I love. You know what I mean? I I think um, we make the mistake of thinking this is a deeply selfish act when, in fact, I suspect it's the opposite. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the the Channing Smith story was that, you know, he's a 16-year-old boy from Tennessee, and he had been sharing some pretty intimate messages, I think on Facebook, Facebook Messenger, with another boy. Right. And somehow they were leaked, and then a classmate put them on Snapchat and Instagram. And once he found out about it, he was just despondent and um, 
found a gun and shot himself. Um, that you know, but he was dead by the next morning. Yeah. Um, shortly after I read the story, I noticed on Michelle Eichard's Facebook page, she has a Michelle in the Middle Facebook page. Do you ever look at I, that? I look at it every day. It's brilliant. It's brilliant, um, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is. It's a great kind of clearinghouse if you have middle school age kids or around there um, and you have a question or a thought or a comment, it is a great place to go and talk to other parents and Michelle weighs in and other experts weigh in. It is a brilliant use of Facebook and the Facebook community thing. I totally agree. Yeah. So right away, she had the reflex that this story was going to need to be a call for empathy. Yes. In our parenting. And that was unexpected to me because I I felt outrage and sadness and um, frustration that there would still be so much homophobia in this country in 2019 that a boy would feel that he was better off dead than going to school and being teased about being gay. That is heartbreaking to me yeah. in any town in any year, but especially now in 2019, like right. still this is happening. Um, I liked your line that, you know, like, um, are we really going to continue to attack people for this kind of most beautiful piece of their life, who they love? Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it does feel like absolute madness. madness. And especially if a life is lost as a result of it, it's like, Horrifying. Yeah. yeah. So it absolutely needs to be, you know, a, a gut check to people who preach and propagate homophobia that those words have really toxic power. Yeah. Um, but but what stopped me about Michelle's post was that she right away was able to see this as a moment where parents can gut check themselves about how they talk to their kids about sexting, right? Yes. Because that is not that is not limited to any sort of demographic among teens, right? Like oh teens my God, no. sexed, yes. teens send nudes, teens ask other teens for nudes. And what she was saying is like, okay, here's an example of how we really need to meet them in a place on this topic that doesn't start with like shame, embarrassment, long-term consequences, ruin your life. All these words that I think parents can fall back on and throw out there to sort of scare their kids straight like don't you dare they'll right. follow you around forever and her point was like let's you know let's take Channing's life let's mourn the loss of his life and then let's do better by our kids on this topic yeah sort of in his honor right yes definitely and um, so I called her right away. Why well, first I sent her a note and said, "Can I call you?" That's what I do. <laughs> I always ask permission. <laughs> That's so courteous. <laughs> I know. I try. Uh, <laughs> Michelle probably would have been cool if you just called her, but I like that you wrote it. You never know. She's writing a book, so you know I don't want to interrupt someone in their flow. Um, so anyway, she said, "Yeah, call me." So I called her and we just talked it over. And I just loved everything she had to say. And I think that you know her main point, um, which was you know, really reminded me of some of the points that you made when you and I talked last month about a similar topic um, was that, you know, you can't, kids don't learn from you projecting into their future. Like, this is going to follow you around forever. This is going to keep you out of college. It's this a is legal gonna, issue. This the is police le are going to get involved. Right. Yeah. yeah. Permanent record. Like, we have yeah. in our minds that, like, okay, I will 
I will spell out the full weight of this action or or the potential of them taking this action, and then that'll scare them out of doing it. And she said, and you made the same point, that that's not how teenage brains work. They don't think into the future like that. It's now. It's this moment and how awful this moment feels. And it feels like a crisis. It feels like it has massive consequence for my life. And I, I can't project a year ahead and think, oh, yeah, this won't mean anything in the rearview mirror. Because if you remember your teenage brain, if something happened, if you broke up with somebody, for example, that felt devastating now. Right. And there wasn't much an adult was going to say about like, oh, you'll get over this. It'll be fine. You know, like that doesn't work on the 16, 17 year old brain. It just doesn't. And you don't have a lifetime of proof that it will get better. Exactly. You don't have, you know, two previous breakups that you did end up getting over right. or, you know, or the lot. I mean, some, some teenagers, some teenagers have experienced grief, the loss of a parent or sibling, or of course, right. and had to, you know, figure out how that feels to heal and how that process works. But often you're not leaning on a whole lot of experience. You're not leaning on a whole lot of exactly. experience. And another thing Michelle said, which I couldn't weave into the column because it felt like it was on point, but it was hard for me to make the point and stay on the other point, but I can, I think we can talk about it here. Yeah. She said, you know, often what parents will do is say, um, you know, here's a news story, right? Like what, what she and I were doing, what you and I do. Here's a news story. Let's talk about this as a family. Right. He, she said, often parents will say, here's a news story about a kid who, you know, shared a nude photo or took a nude photo or possessed a nude photo and got arrested. Don't take nude photos. And she's like, you know, the teenage brain thinks, you know what? I know a hundred people who take nude photos and they've never been arrested. So like enough with your news story. Like, nice try. Nice right? try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't actually happen. Yeah. Or like, okay, that poor sap, it happened too, but most kids it doesn't. So right. like you just, you're not really getting to them in the way that you think you're getting to them. They're sort of dismissing it like, well, like, yeah, okay, fine. One out of a thousand kids gets caught. Like right. <laughs> the other 999 don't. I know them. Right? <laughs> right. So, yeah, yeah. so again, with the scare tactics, like... I don't think they work. And number two, like our kids are already pretty fucking scared. Yeah. Yeah. And it misses a massive part of the boat, right? Because um, sexting is such a great example because I don't know many adults who get it mm -hmm. who, or, or who just don't think, oh, my God, I can't believe my kid is doing this. I've raised a monster of some kind right. or I don't understand what he or she is up to. This is bad. Yeah. Right. So we're not thinking empathy. We're not thinking, okay, so the nature of relationships has changed since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And were I a kid, this would be part of it for me. Right. You know, devices what I mean? like, exist that didn't exist when exactly, I was a kid. Exactly. Right. So this is part of kids figuring out the whole attraction relationship thing. And this is an element of that. And if we just color it as this is bad, this is illegal, this is going to ruin your future. You're never going to get a USC. Yeah. <laughs> I'll pick on you. <laughs> See a little bit. Unless I bribe them, which we're not ready to take off the table. Right, right, right. <laughs> maybe you are on the crew team. I don't know. <laughs> but right, I mean, uh, we're we're missing the whole part of what does this mean to you? You know, right. like I love where you and Michelle went with that idea of having the discussion of like, you know, what is this about for you? Right. So for parents to talk to kids in a way. 
what what I want from parents now is to recognize what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So this is the first generation of parents, I think, where there's an awful lot about their kids' lives that is a little bit of whack-a-mole. Like, I'm not sure I get that part, that part, that part. Yeah. And so you have to learn from kids what it means. Otherwise, you're just going to color it awful. Right. And then you're in the shame and embarrassment zone. Whether you want to be or not, you're right. already shaming your kid. And if you say, these kids that sexed, I can't believe they do that. You're going on the assumption that your kid is not one of those kids. Right. Or and their best friend isn't. Yes. Or someone they love. Right. Yeah. And that's probably an errant assumption. Right. 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 That, that puts you out. Uh, you know, you, uh, you know, you don't understand. Mm-hmm. I don't have the time or the energy to explain to you why yep. this isn't just awful. And you're you know not I mean? a safe place for me to talk any of this through. Yep. And I... Loved Michelle's point that she said, you know, so many adults are uncomfortable talking to their kids about sexuality or vulnerability or intimacy. So they go with rules. Like, I can talk about rules. Right. (laughs) I can talk about the law. Let's go with that. Yep. And really, the conversation needs to be at least as much about sexuality and vulnerability and intimacy and how you're treating your peers, right? Whether you're yes. pressuring them into sending nudes or whether you got your hands on someone else's intimate messages and are sitting there deciding whether to blast them to everyone on Snapchat. I mean, these are like humane or inhumane choices that kids are presented with. Yep. And talk to your kids about that stuff, and right? kids don't always understand the implications. It's hard to think through um, I'm going to be cryptic here, but I, I worked with a boy one time who playfully found on a, a friend of his, uh, her camera on her phone. He just grabbed her phone at the football game, ha yeah. you know, like, yep. and found a picture of another girl getting dressed for a dance, mm-hmm. right? Um, but she's partially not dressed, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so, and he sent that to himself and then he sent that to a bunch of other people, um, and I think in his mind, this wasn't cruel. This mm, wasn't, yeah. you know, this was somewhat innocuous or a little bit of an in-joke between he and the Jokey. girl. Mm-hmm. And it ended up everywhere, you know. Um, so mm. kids don't necessarily think through the implications. And their intentions are not always, you know, I'm going to ruin your life, you right. know. Um, but to in order to get into your child's head, to get them thinking about this stuff, you cannot be the police, you know? Right. Too many kids come to me and they tell me somewhere along the line where I become a teenager or before, my kids, my parents change the way they act toward me, the way they Mm. look at me. Mm. It's completely different than I was when I was eight. And they would light up when they saw me. Now, I feel like it's an interrogation, and the presumption is I'm guilty of something. Yeah. You know? And so instead of wanting to talk to them, wanting to invite conversation with them and inform them, my inclination is to avoid them. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second, and it's I, it, it truly is playing it because I, I don't believe the thing I'm about to say, but, but I'm going to say it anyway because I am curious about it. Like I know there, there might even be people listening who are thinking this. There's certainly people who read my columns who think this and, and email it to me. Like there was a time where parents were the police and that was fine and kids did fine, yeah. right? Yeah. So like what – like a, a lot of us grew up with parents who did take on – a 
you know, a police-like role. For sure. Who would have scared the shit out of us and shamed the shit out of us if we had taken naked photos and shared them with someone or or asked someone else to send us naked photos. Like, there are, or, or, or name the topic. Yeah. Underage drinking, what, you name it. Smoking, Vaping. whatever right. it is, yeah. They would take on a cop role, they would interrogate us, they would punish us, and then we would grow up having known better and become productive citizens. Like, that's the... Absolutely. So what's... What's different. changed? Why is it any why, different now? Yeah, why why doesn't that model work anymore? That model definitely worked for a time. If you, if working means policing works, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean? It, that's not necessarily fostering a deep connection. Mm-hmm. That's like I can parent you through fear and keep you from behaving in certain ways, which is not altogether bad. And it you know it worked in my family to an extent. Mm-hmm. Although, as we mentioned earlier, I do have a brother that took his life, and yeah. there are family elements to that. Whether we want to admit that or not, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And so um, what's better today about parenting is that it requires us to learn from our kids and engage with our kids and connect with our kids in a deeper way. So, you know, where it might feel like more arduous or something, or why do I have to soft pedal around my kid around every single little issue? You don't have to around every issue, but some of these you need to because you need to learn from your kid and your kid needs you way more as an ally. Yeah. Because a generation ago we had this wide berth around parenting. We could we could fuck it up pretty bad. Yeah. And and it would still by and large work out okay. Yeah. Now there's a lot of risk that our kids are under. Yeah. And it's not risk they created. We we handed the phones to them and the jewels and all, you know, and right. the capacity to sext, you know, all this stuff isn't something some kid came up with. That's true. Right? And so um, we need as parents to be available to them to talk to us. And that means opening up our minds and our hearts to them, you yeah. know? Um, and somebody asked me recently, like, well, what about grit and resilience and, you know, teaching that to our kids? Just being a kid today and making it through, yeah. that's a lot of grit and resilience yeah, to me. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Well, you you brought up an, in an interview when we when I was writing about Tom and, and the Naperville teen, Corey. Tom, your brother, yeah. um, <clears throat> that kids are walking around already under so much pressure, uh, academic, emotional, you know, constant on the grid headlines around the clock and headlines about terrible stuff, school yep. shootings and climate change and, you know, disasters, basically, yep. um, that their bandwidth is not large no. to process another bad thing. Exactly. Even if the bad thing is like someone said something mean about you on Snapchat. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, your brother was in a car accident. Like it can be It can be, it relatively can be something minor that feels bad relatively thing. small. Yeah. 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 Or feels relatively big, even if it's right. not. Um, yeah. So I think that's a good point too. And, and that is different than when I grew up, than when you grew up. Relatively speaking, of yeah. course, there are exceptions. Of yeah. course, there have always been traumatic, really difficult childhoods in every generation. Of course, there have. Of course, um, yes, yes. But, Spare us that those those texts or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. But by and large, right now is a very different way to grow up than a generation ago. And that maybe or, is um, the the most important and final point, right? Yeah. Is that you know it is. It's it's harder than it used to be to grow up. And so the our job becomes a little more involved yeah. than it used to be. 
that's not all bad news. You get to you get to connect with your child in a different way than maybe your parents were able to connect with you, and you get to learn about a lot of these things you didn't know about, and your child needs you yeah. to be open and listening and understanding as opposed to policing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and lead with empathy. Yeah. You know, that was one of Michelle's points, which I loved. No, lead I, with empathy. I know. Michelle's so good, man. She's so she good. I know. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of, we talked about this before with Pete Buttigieg, where um, he had uh, he had answered that young girl's question at a campaign event yeah. about being bullied at school. And he talked about how in every situation you have the power to decide, am I going to make this situation worse? Am I going to escalate it? Or am I going to make it a little better? So good. Right? And I thought that was a beautiful parenting motto, too. He was talking about it in the sense of being bullied. But I love that for parenting, too. And that and and that reminds me of Michelle's lead with empathy, too. Like, I can, I can make this worse and scarier and more panic-inducing, or I can take it down a notch and yep. make it better, right? And that seems to be the better story yeah. most of the time. Yep. I think so. Yeah. You have a panel you have to go see. I on. do, I do. That flew by. It really did. It's too fast. <laughs> it's like we talked for five minutes, but I guess it's been 20. It has. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, good. Hopefully, so, we give you something to think about there. Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, so, do you want to sign this off? Because I, I've, I'm clearly right. strained here. <laughs> I would love to. So, this has been on purpose. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. We will. Have a good week, guys.